Hello, my name is Aviva and I will be having a conversation with Hazel for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Communal Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans-identifying people. It is January 4th, 2018 and it's being recorded on Broom Street in Chinatown in my apartment. Hi Hazel. Hi. Um, so we're going to just jump into asking you how you want to explain your childhood or talk about your childhood and where you were born. Mm-hmm. Just any kind of like beginnings. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I was born in Philadelphia and I grew up in the suburbs of Philly in New Jersey, South Jersey. Um, I have three older brothers who are all a lot older than me. So they were like always kind of like other adults in my family and I had my mom and dad. And who are your parents? And like if you wanted to go into a little more of your class or religious background and kind of like yeah. way to situate that. Yeah, my parents are both um, Ashkenazi Jews. Um, and um, they... They were a little older when they had me because of my siblings. Um, They were both like activists and they were actually like in a Maoist collective when they were my age, were like 20s and 30s. Um, And they basically like were put in factories. and then they like, like my mom worked at the Nabisco factory and my dad worked at the General Motors factory in New Jersey and they tried to organize unions and then they would have to report back to their collective where they were reading the Red Book and they don't love to talk about it but I'm obviously really fascinated with it. They like. I think sometime in the 80s when the RCP split up, they kind of like fell out of the, like, they like got fed up with them and they like, my mom went to medical school and my dad became a therapist eventually. And I think that's how they thought of like continuing their activism was like through those service thing or like taking care of people jobs Mm -hmm. um but um they both grew up with like plenty of money like upper middle class and my mom I guess I I imagine that's something that they were dealing with when they were doing their activism. Um, What was the name of the Maoist group? So now it's it's changed names, but I believe it was the Revolutionary Communist Party, the RCP. So if you know, like, if you see the people with yellow signs at rallies, that's like the legacy of their group. They're really dogmatic, like, really intense organizers. I've seen them at really small protests, like, all over the country. They're always there with their yellow signs. 
And there's this guy, Bob Avakian, who's, like, kind of famous for being, like, like, kind of, like, a goofy, like, leader. And, like, he was involved. He's been involved the whole time. And did this group, like, draw a specific demographic of, like, Jewish, like, how, who, who is it, how is it composited? I don't totally know. I think it was, like, a lot of people, like, my parents, like, white, highly educated people. Um, I, I imagine they were, there was, like, some crossover with SDS, Students for a Democratic Society. My parents had done a lot of um, anti-draft organizing in college. And had my dad had done all this stuff to escape the draft and stuff. So I think there were connections of it through that. But they also worked with a lot of working class people and people of color. I know they were involved in the postal worker strike in Newark and I believe New York. Um, or they were like in solidarity with that or supporting them. Um, that went, was, oh, sorry. I think that was in the late seventies or early eighties. And when you say they like came into like factory work, how, yeah. what was the decision making behind that? So what they told me was that they would go to the meetings and they would be like, okay, you like. Is it recording? Okay. Okay, like, you, John, like, you are going to General Motors, so, like, he would get a job on the factory line, um, on the assembly line, and then basically become a union member, and then basically, like, try to get elected to shop steward. And then try to change the conditions because a lot of the unions at that time had gotten like um, whitewashed and stuff like they weren't actually advocating for the workers or something. I don't know. And they, my mom was interested in medical school so they had her organizing in hospitals at one point but I know they would literally just take orders from the Maoist people the like head leaders and it was really hierarchical and it was really sexist and it was really homophobic and it was really racist and I think that was kind of why they like left and I think they also, because this was before the internet, like, no one actually knew what the Cultural Revolution was like. Like, because there wasn't that much news coming from it. So I think they eventually found out that things in China are, like, really complicated and not just, like, an amazing communist revolution. And they, they think they felt bad about supporting that. And how did those politics shape your family life? So by the time I was born, like, my parents weren't doing that or anything, but we would always go to rallies, and my dad taught at a Quaker school, and I went to a Quaker school, and so we would always, I remember, like, standing on the corner in the, like, in January, with, like, five really old Quakers, like, protesting the Iraq War. 
in 2000, which started in 2003. So stuff like that, like being on a bus to Washington, D.C. to go on a big march. But just like, I think my parents just gave me like intense, intense ethics about right and wrong and about like, I don't know, I guess I just inherited like a huge amount of, I think a lot of it is shame or like um, some kind of like oversensitivity to like suffering and even like me projecting that someone's suffering if they're not. It was like so like, I mean, it, it would be everything from like, this sour cream is expired and mom would bring it back to the supermarket. Um, and to like, Hazel, you don't make fun of like so-and-so in school, like bullying is wrong, like don't ever do that again. And then I would go into a shame spiral. So it was just like making sure everything was like good and right. And what did, how did the Quaker school level some of those, or they shape some of those experiences also in terms of the way that they frame I don't know, certain community work or the ways that you relate to each other. Yeah, I think the Quaker thing's funny because both of my parents are extremely atheist and they hate God and they think God is a bad man and no one should believe in him. I think that's like even their most leftover stuff from their Maoist times. Um, I think more was just like... um, they spent so much time organizing with, like, across difference, basically, in their lives. And, like, my dad worked in a Latinx community in North Philly and, like, would take me into work to, like, meet his patients who, like, he... I remember he, like, gave... I They bought me a guinea pig for my birthday and I didn't like it anymore. And then he gave it to his patient. And, like, I met his patient and stuff. And this was somebody I would have never met or talked to otherwise. And so I think... And then my... We were always going to Latin America to, like, kind of do, like, poverty tourism. But I think, like, the other spin on it was, like, my parents just wanting me to, to know that most people in the world didn't look like me or have the same experience as me um and then my mom worked in a like black a really poor black neighborhood being a pediatrician and so like I think around like for dinner they would just both talk about their patients and the lives of their patients those are like some of my most distinct memories from childhood just hearing of these like really really intense stories about basically like poverty in America and racism and classism in America and just like my parents would tell the story and be like and that's fucked up or like and that's that happened because of racism and I'd be like oh okay and so I think I had like a deep And it was basically just me for a lot of it because my brothers would be at college. So, like, I would just hear these stories about so-and-so's kid overdosed on heroin and, like, 
this is why we need to do a needle exchange thing or like so-and-so's public housing project is on a like super fun site full of lead blah 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 so like that kind of stuff it was intense and like how did it feel kind of interacting with these intense subjects as a child like how do you feel like it brought you into like Mm -hmm. the public space like having to protest or be present or be like in person with people at certain like different vulnerable states yeah that's a good question I think I was kind of socially anxious and awkward and I don't know how much of that had to do with being like uncomfortable being called a boy so I wouldn't ever I would always like want to hide and stuff I didn't want to ever sing their hippie songs with them and no one in our town our town was like very waspy and I didn't even know many Jewish people let alone like hippies and so or like liberal wealthy Jewish hippie I don't know it was just I didn't know so I was like um our house is messy like my parents never throw anything away like they have weird posters from like Peru on the wall like and my friends would be like why is that like we had these people they know come stay with us for a while from Peru who were like basically needed a sponsor for their visa and so my friends would come over and they'd be like really racist towards the Peruvians and like wouldn't understand why they were there and I didn't really understand why they were there but I knew that my friends were being fucked up but I still felt embarrassed I was like mom and dad why do you always have to make something weird happen at our house I just wanted to eat Lunchables and like I wanted my dad to be like good at sports and stuff um and then I think there's another piece about like not realizing like about my class privilege and I think it feeling confused because my parents were always hanging out with working class people and like that's what their work was and our house was different from my like white upper middle class friends houses so like I didn't get that we were also like extremely privileged and that like I would inherit a lot of money when I got older and so I think and my parents would never talk about that ever 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 still can't talk about that so I think that part was kind of like really confusing for me yeah I can see like growing up or like having a sense of politics that's about like the working class and like class distinctions and then not being able to reconcile one's own or have that be as transparent be extremely just like confusing um I guess I also would like to know um yeah within that like when is the first time that you heard the word trans or like how did that kind of start to enter your emotional like state I don't even know it's funny because I work with trans youth now can you name the organization yeah with global action project which um is like a 
youth media and youth development organization in New York. And we often like do exercises about like, what's the first time you saw a trans person on TV or like read about them? And people usually know now, but I have no idea. I don't remember, I never knew a trans person. And I think I knew what the word meant. And I mean, I saw a movie, I saw the crying game, but I don't think that stuff registered me in my mind at all. Mm. And did you feel like, I don't know, from either leaving the house or at a certain point, like your own kind of political consciousness, like divorced from like what you grew up within? Or do you feel like you are still an extension of all the ways that you were imbued with a sense of politics? I think I inherited a lot from my parents. Um, And I have different stuff now. Like, I think, which really crystallized, I think, when I came out because of my mother's, like, just, like, her radical feminism and, like, her feelings, like, why would anyone want to be a woman? It's horrible. Like, that, like, I definitely, like, brushed up against that a lot. And just stuff about changing your body to be a woman. Like, she thinks it's wrong to shave or wear makeup and stuff. So that's, like, kind of, like, hasn't really been updated. Um, But kind of besides that, I mean... My parents are organ. My parents moved to Vermont and are now like do like local organizing, kind of like with immigration stuff, and also just like against Donald Trump or something. I don't really know what that is, but we talk. Like I told, I was talking to my dad last night on the phone about the prison abolition work I'm doing and he was comparing it to when he was working with like kids who were in the system so we can we can talk about a lot of stuff and they get it and I appreciate it I just think some things a lot having to do with gender but I think also like emotional stuff like mental health stuff and um, I don't know. I think stuff about, like, race, they just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they just stopped reading books or something. Or, like, stopped hanging out with people who were, like, different than them. I don't know. Could you talk more about the prison abolition work that you're doing? Yeah, I work for, I volunteer with an organization called Parole Prep Project. Um, and so volunteers get matched with applicants who are incarcerated who um, are ready for their parole hearing. So in New York State, people who get indeterminate sentences, which are often for violent crimes like 20 to life, 25 to life, like, that means that after that number, you're eligible for parole, 
which is like a five minute interview with former law enforcement like people and so it's basically it's really hard to make your board and if you don't pass this interview which you can't have legal representation for either um you have to wait two years so people get denied over and over and over and over so we like support people before their parole hearing um i'm working with a trans woman now who's in a men's prison and so i'm helping her with her parole stuff but also just like helping her navigate trans health basically um which has been really intense and hard but really amazing and she's probably the only trans elder that I'm friends with um and so we've become close and we have a lot in common like she really likes baseball and like we both have a lot of stick and poke tattoos, so it's like, like stuff to talk about besides business, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Um, I lied when I was like, I have, I have no specific questions for you in just that I saw your Instagram story today and I wrote down like the statement you said and it kind of relates to what you just said. Um, and I guess I'll just say it, and then maybe if you have more of a follow-up to explain it, you um, wrote, free everyone incarcerated for violent crimes, even if, oh God, their first, I forgot, sorry, something, even if something about, <laughs> um, even if it's something about self-defense, even if the crimes are a man doing violence to a woman. Sorry, I messed that one up. It's but, okay. um, and I just, I think, yeah, in, in terms of like prison abolitionist work and, and the ways in which some you emote on Insta stories or, you know, just, like, yeah. share thoughts. I was wondering if you could speak more about that botched statement that I just read. Yeah, I think, like, I don't know. Sometimes I go on rants on social media. Um, it's some way of processing, but I'm not, like, totally... I'm a little skeptical of my own thing with it. But anyway, like, yeah, I never... Like, before I started working, doing this work, like, three, four years ago, like, I thought that people who did a murder were bad and should be locked up, and they were scary and bad. And I think that's been, like, a big point of, like, my own politicization. Um, But, yeah, I think I see a lot of people being like still in that still being like oh like if you did if you raped a kid or if you killed your wife like then you shouldn't get then you need to be canceled and like all abusers need to be kicked out of the community this is a safe space and I think that has to do with identity politics and being like this is a safe space which is and like all that stuff's really important but I also feel like for me um especially prison abolition work is about like forgiveness and that's like why forgiveness and also like some understanding of like 
the positions that people are put in that makes violence like almost like normal and necessary and I feel weird saying that and also I feel weird doing this work as someone who like hasn't ever been in that situation I mean I guess I have like on very small occasions but um yeah, I think I see a lot of people being like, free the people who smoked weed and like free the drug dealers and like prison's bad if you weren't a bad abuser or if you didn't rape a child. And like, I have never been, I was never um, raped as a child. And um, so I don't know what that's like. And I could never speak to like how awful and traumatizing and how triggering that would be. Um, but I also feel like I've met people in prison who have done crimes like that and they didn't get rehabilitated in prison. They just got cut off and I don't know. I, it just like is obviously a horrible way to deal with that. Um, like if you think of it as like a societal issue. So, I think it's also, like, cha like it changes me. Um, it's, like, the some organizing work that changes me as a person and realizes that people get locked up to protect people, like, exactly like me and to keep me free. And so, I think, like, examining my own ability to, like, for like forgiveness and like re-understanding like what violence is and what aggression is is like been important. Uh, yeah. Hmm. That was really beautiful. Uh, um. I saw this meme. Um, a while ago that was like in 2040 we'll learn that the CIA like uh, created identity politics to destroy the left and, <laughs> and it resonated with me and I, I guess because we're talking about identity politics and how they play such a strong role in, in these structures like how you relate to that or yeah how you use or function with it like the matrix of that right now for us in this with Trump moment yeah I think <clears throat> I feel like before I came out I had a lot of feelings about identity politics and I was like oh but I just can't say any of this stuff because I'm a man I'm a cis man and now that I'm trans identity politics basically lets me say stuff and I feel like just ha having gone through that process I'm talking about my specific subcultural community which I guess I should is I'm so enveloped and in a bubble with that can it's you just, just name what that world. is or... I guess it's like queer and trans people who live in New York who are like usually highly educated and 
um, have some connection to, I guess, like, money. Like, they either work for a thing that has money or they were born with money. So... But also, I don't know, also like social media. I don't totally get it. I guess I just know that when I go to a Walmart in like Florida, no one cares about me and everyone wants to kill me. But that like, I never really go to that. I'm like rarely in that. So it's kind of like, but in my tiny community that is, <laughs> is whatever, like, I guess, um, I just feel like sometimes there's these parties and they'll be like $75 for cis men and free for trans women. And that shit makes me so mad because it thinks that transness is like a thing that it's basically like a cis understanding of transness and it's something that like my aunt when I came out was like hey do you need any clothes I was like bitch like I I didn't just wake up today and decide I was a girl like I have girls clothes like who are you it's like it just ignores the reality and it's also like extremely violent and like it's basically like policing people and it's like definitely that kind of sentiment kept me closeted for so many years and I'm really bitter about it and so I'm kind of like but I also know how hard it can be to hang out with cis men so and I'm really only friends with one cis man so like I feel a little bit hypocritical about that stuff but I'm definitely like feel like identity politics is um like violent like state violence and policing refracted back and like internalized back into like communities that have been the victims of it like that's clearly what it is and I'm sure that the CIA is part of that and the FBI is part of that and um it's just weird and gross and I think it's maybe it's at a cultural moment when it's coming to an end which is good uh, yeah. Um, I guess because of, yeah, in, in which in the ways in which you just talked about like this, certain communities cultivating this culture that then refracts this like ugly part of a violent structure, and then also like where you don't where you would be kind of unsafe or vulnerable to like the greater like culture of America or whatever that's like outside the bubble of New York like are there spaces in New York where like being trans and like being in some sort of collective I don't know space feels good or like feels better than something that's like triggering like that or I don't know feels better than like 
being in that community. Being in, uh, like, a party where, like, there's a sign that, like, up front kind of, like, triggers some sort of response in you to be, like, actually this, like, feels authored by cis people, but isn't, but also is, like, reflecting some sort of, like, woke politic that's actually backwards. I think in the beginning, like, a year or two ago of coming out, those spaces were still really important for me. And I think at this point, I'm, like, a little bit more, yeah, like, I'm, like, wait, but, like, what about people who don't have access to this community and stuff? So I think right now, like, I think I'm kind of still searching for that. I think I really like the community at Gap, um, where I was working. Can you Um, break that down? What is that again? The like youth media organization it's kind of like a drop-in center also for like queer and trans and like undocumented youth and so i think being around those people has felt really good because i don't know i think i just feel like that community isn't steeped in this scene and, like, has a critique of that type of policing and violence and, like... um, And also, I think when people are younger, there's more... There's, like... They're allowed to be more in process about their gender. And I think it's a shame that we as a culture don't allow people to be in process about their gender for their whole life. Um, And I think it's like an ongoing thing. I think it's related to like, like I'm looking for re-entry services for the woman I'm working with if she is to make her board in March. And there's only transitional housing for trans people 24 if you're 24 years old or younger so it's being like oh you have until you're 24 to figure your shit out and if you do it after that you're deviant and psychotic and basically you're bad and you're an abuser and you're trying to invade someone's so it's just like i think all this like fake timeline stuff but I don't know. I want to start hanging out with cis people again. I think I'm done with my, like, separatist thing, and... I don't know. I think I've also found that, like, other trans women aren't... I I think in the beginning I was like, oh, I'm gonna be all friends with trans femmes, and it's gonna be amazing. And I'm like, well, most of them are just, like, kind of annoying, and I don't want to be friends with them. Not because they're trans women, just because they're... Like, I don't know. I, like, I need to be discerning about my friends. Mm. Um, I think one of the questions which now I'm just, like, makes me feel like I don't want to ask it, but I guess in terms of, like, in a state of wherever you're at, like, how would you describe your gender or, like, where you're at and connecting to describing it? Yeah. I still feel weird saying I'm a woman 
for some reason I don't feel weird saying I'm a girl. Um, I don't really know right now. I know that I don't want to go by they, and I've never really wanted to. Um, I think that I wanted so long desperately to pass that now that's happening more and more. I am realizing that I haven't like updated my gender until in that time. So it's kind of like, I was just went like, I was just extreme, like be a woman, be a woman, be a woman. And then now it's like, oh, like, did I even want that? I was like, I know I didn't want to be a man, but like, is there another one that I could be? I don't know. It's weird. I think it's a thing about being trans femme that you kind of have to just be one or the other right now it's hard to be a non-binary person that was assigned male at birth um because that category is just i don't know just feels smaller and it just feels like those boundaries are policed way more um so, but yeah, this is way, it's already just way better than my whole life. So I'm just kind of just like s- sinking into it, I think. Yeah, it's good. And do you have like models or like mentors or ways of f- figuring stuff out as you elect to do things? I don't know if they're like medicalized or um, whatever in any way that you've been like learning from. Mm. It's a good question. Not really. I really wanted to get um, surgery on my face to make certain things more <clears throat> look more like a quote unquote female, but I actually just delayed my surgery like eight months so I can think about whether I actually want it. So I think that was a big step in being like, I'm fine the way I am. And that was through a lot of conversations with like trans friends, um, most of whom are in trans mask, but it still was really helpful. Um, I think I'm just going to call her ex, the, the woman I work with in prison. She's like a big mentor and we've, cause just because she's lived this for so long in like the most dire of circumstances and like I talk about my body a lot with her and see what she thinks about everything. So... I think she was really like, hey, like, you don't really need to get a nose job, like, um, stuff, so, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, even thinking about, like, her access to, yeah, any kind of healthcare, and then, like, and then, yeah, you on the outside having access to healthcare, like, differentiates this, like, other space of being able to see yourself. Um, and yeah, I guess one of the questions here is asking about like, 
yeah, also like ways that you can approach your own mental health or address that through access to health care or care or your family um, in terms of like yeah, having a parent that's a therapist and how that how you utilize that. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be dead if I didn't have access to therapy, definitely. Um, and basically, if I had to support myself, I don't know how I would be alive. So, yeah, I've been in therapy for basically 15 years straight from when I was 15. So it's helped me a lot, and I like... <laughs> It's just huge. It's really, it's just a really big part of my life. And it's it saved me and really helped me. And I'm also, like, not better. And, like, I still think that sometimes I want to die and things get bad. Or, like, I can't keep a job. But <clears throat> I don't understand how trans women... Who don't have that survive and it's just because it's so weird it's really we it's a weird life to have it doesn't everything is so weird and doesn't make sense and just feels like uh, you're an alien or I feel like I'm an alien like half the time so I don't know how other people do it without someone who's been trained to listen to you basically Mm. Yeah. Let's take a little break. Okay. Um, so, this might be repetitive, but could produce something else. Um, it asks, how do you see yourself in this moment of increased trans visibility? Mm. It's weird. It makes me, I think it makes me feel more real sometimes and more fake other times. I think a lot of like cis normativity or like cis people are like, say the thing about trans trenders, like trans people who are only trans because of like, basically because of increased trans visibility and because of the work of trans activists for the last hundred years and that somehow that makes you not actually trans and but I feel that a lot and then I'm like well I like I mean one of the biggest things for my coming out was reading Julia Serrano's book her second book and like I just read it all in two days and I was like, oh fuck, like, I guess I have to do this thing now. And so, I mean, I think as an, also like, sorry, this is kind of jumbled. And then like, as an artist being like, does art actually get people to do stuff or change the world? I was like, that book basically was the, like, kind of just like the straw that broke the camel's back but also like it really moved me and really changed me 
and it allowed me to be do organizing with other you know it's like keeping the ball moving so so I think that's really interesting and makes me feel real and connected to a lineage but also I'm like being trans is weird like everyone now just gets surgery because that's what trans people do which just makes me feel like being trans is like a fashion choice honestly a lot of the trans people i know are also in fashion and very fashionable and so I think there's this whole, and like everyone like hooks up with each other and like is very like, I think especially trans wi- women because they're so unemployable are often like DJs and fashion people. And so it's like just this weird spiral and vortex of like, I don't I don't even know it's like it's deep and it's also really about surfaces and it's a really about clothes and it's really about like how what your tits look like and like where you got your makeup and stuff and so that's like um I think I'm still kind of like figuring that out do you feel like that wouldn't be the case if we weren't in New York like how specific is all of those components to the city um I used to live in Philly like when I was more like questioning my gender and before I started HRT and it definitely was different but it still felt like the queer community there was I don't know that if you were trans femme you just like wore less makeup and like I don't this I don't know I feel like I'm generalizing I think it would be different Mm -hmm. if I was didn't go to fancy college and was from a rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what that experience would be like. I know a lot of trans teenagers from Instagram, like 16-year-old trans girls, who like sometimes I DM and they're like, I live in like central Pennsylvania or something, and I'm like, fuck, like that's crazy. But they're also, like, I, I think because of social media also, like, things for people like that are, like, more, I don't, I don't want to, I feel, I don't want to generalize. I was going to say that they're, like, more accessible, certain things are more accessible, but I also, I don't think that's true, and I don't, so I want to that Mm, okay um and I guess in terms of speaking about like desirability since a lot of this is like aesthetically connected um and thinking about the queer community and the ways in which like things are connected like romantically or like emotionally like 
how do you feel like I don't know things like polyamory kind of fit into the constellation of how you operate or like connect with people or hold the community <laughs> like I don't know how to ask that question but if that's like a side of desire that like feels like generative and like good and like positive or like how that's like evolved for you too I think it's complicated because of like the because of sexism and like me not having experienced that my whole life basically and so being like I'm a woman now and like people just stare at me and want to fuck me and random guys just want to fuck me and that feels really good to me but it also doesn't always feel good <laughs> like if it's if I'm assaulted by a random guy that starts to feel bad so like I think if I started f experiencing that at a younger age it would be more just shitty and if I wasn't still happy when people thought it was a woman it would just suck to to have my gender to have my like passability go along with like basically someone wanting to fuck me um and then I think in, like, my small queer community here, like, everyone wanted to fuck me when I first came out. And I had so much sex and I dated a lot of people. And that was really good for me in my own growth, personal growth, because I had never... I basically never had fulfilling sex before that until I started having sex like a gay person. So, I'm like, go, I think going along with that is like, I mostly only have sex with other trans people now. So, um, it's also opened my own desires up. And like, um, kind of lost my, oh, poly stuff. I don't know how that fits in. I think that. A lot of, I think it feels like more connected to identity politics and it's something like when I've talked to people of color who I've dated and they'll be like, oh, people only want to date me because it gives them extra points in the identity, in the oppression Olympics thing. And then I mean like, yeah, I feel that too. I feel like people just want to be like, seen with me sometimes um and I think and maybe and I I'm curious whether I just when I start looking just like a cis woman whether that will stop because then it will just be me being seen then it would just be people being seen with um somebody who isn't visibly trans I guess and like how many points could you really get from that so I don't know, but I think I've been trying to date other people who have an experience of, I guess, like that, which is honestly most people in the world, so that I don't feel that weird feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess because of 
the expansiveness of who you are, like what other aspects of your identity are important to you? Mm. I think my Jewishness has always been something that's really important to me, but also feels deeply connected to my transness. Um, and that one's that one's hard to put into words, but all I will say is it's deeply spiritual and almost like this kind of like feeling I'll get sometimes where I just feel the energy, the like wind of my ancestors breathing on my neck sometimes. And I'm like, this one's real, this one's really crazy. Um, and I think like that is mostly manifests in me just being friends with other Jewish people other queer Jewish people and like I think the way I communicate with them feels really like healing and really like next level in this way um but I think I'm I'm wanting to get more interested in like <clears throat> like more organized aspects of that kind of spirituality um and then other stuff is, I like working with young people. Um, I really like sports. I like baseball and I really like basketball. And I have, I watch a lot of games on TV. I have my teams and stuff. Can you tell me your teams? Yeah, I love the Phillies. That's a baseball team from Philadelphia. And I love the Sixers. They're the basketball team from Philly. And I follow them and I'm always reading articles about them. Um, that's a cool thing that like, <clears throat> I don't know if I had been born a girl, I don't know if that kind of fandom would have been encouraged in the way it was since I was called a boy, but it's really cool to get to have that. Like, I wouldn't trade that for anything because it's really fun. Um, I guess we can ask a few more broad questions and then we'll just see if that feels good. Um, this question asks... Um, well, I don't know if we already answered this, but how do you think trans issues or politics have changed over the years? <laughs> I don't really know because I haven't been trans for that long and I didn't care about trans people until like I basically knew that there was something wrong with me. I mean, there, there, that I maybe had that disease. Just kidding. Um... And can you tell us the timeline of yeah, yeah. How, how that came to be? Not the disease, but yeah. <laughs> where you are right now. Um, <laughs> I started HRT like almost two years ago. And that was when I came out to basically my friends. Well, like my medium friends. 
And then I had, like, come out to myself, like, a year before that, but basically hadn't done anything about that. <clears throat> and for the, like, th f three or four years before that, I was, like, going by he, but, like, dressing kind of, like, weird. Or, like, not dressing like a boy and didn't feel like a boy, but just feeling like I wasn't allowed to be trans because I didn't try on my mother's dresses when I was little, so... Um, that's the mm. basic timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's something that we missed for some reason mm -hmm. are your artistic projects. Mm -hmm. Like, you also create things. Yeah. Yeah, I make videos and movies, and then I do some painting, and I really like doing that. Mm. Um, one thing I was, I'm working on a, I've been working on a lot of trans-centric projects, and I think part of that is, like, I don't want to be, but I felt like I had to, because if you're trans, like, and you want to make work, artwork, and it's not about your identity, you basically, like, no one wants to hear about it so that's kind of like a crappy thing or like a depressing thing and I think people with other identities have that kind of like pigeonholing too or like constraint um but I'm working on one thing which is kind of like a super cut of trans women in in Hollywood movies and I actually watched this one movie last night called Let Me Die Woman, which is cons which is like on the Wikipedia it says it's a sex exploitation movie, but it's it's not. But it's kind of like a pseudo documentary about trans people from the seventies, and it's like kind of like starring this like old school trans doctor who's like. I don't know, the movie's from 1978, but it feels like so long ago, and it's so much. And I think my a lot of my project is basically about penises, and like, how, how intensely symbolic they are, and like, how kind of like, being trans for me has like almost nothing to do with that or something or that feels like so extraneous and so weird but also why I felt like I wasn't trans for so long because I didn't want to cut my penis off but I think that's one area where trans visibility and politics in the way it's changing is like really amazing that you can have any type of trans experience that you can love your penis and be a beautiful woman and fuck people with your penis and you know you can or you can hate your penis and want it and not feel like a woman until you get it cut off but most of the trans women I know don't like most of them like feel like women even if they still have a penis and that is not the nat really the narrative has never been that way it's always like there's this one movie called normal where this trans woman's wife won't call her her new name until she gets her bottom surgery 
So it's like, and that's from like 10 years ago. So it's like very like, it's very like body, it's very weird, like body part specific. And it, it feels really, that part feels like it's maybe changing in a good way. Mm. Are there other movies in like mainstream culture that like resonate with you or feel like a positive depiction of a trans experience right now? I haven't seen Pose. Um, I think because I'm I'm worried about being disappointed again. I think there's one movie that's really obscure that's called Layer that was made by a trans woman in uh, Kazakhstan. And it's about... spoiler alert um it's about how this trans woman like um gives birth by laying eggs and she's really ostracized for it but it and so it's kind of does like a metaphor of like her being marginal because she lays eggs and stuff and like how she has to accept that she's an egg layer and I like that movie because it's, like, not so literal. Basically, every movie about a trans... Where there's a trans person in it that I've seen, they have to talk about being trans. And I'm just like, okay, can it be just, like, they happen to be trans, but they, like, have any other aspect of their life, like, that they like sports or that they, like, like cooking or they're a big fisher person and like no you have it has to be about how their penis there has to be a dick shot in it and I'm just like I think that's hard for me and what this movie I'm making is about I guess mm. yeah. and what would be like an ideal way or place to show it or like an ideal audience like who are you making it for or I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. I think I've had a hard time getting my work shown in general because I'm not a big networker. But I would like anyone to see it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Probably, it would probably have to be in an art gallery, though, if I would be honest, because that's how these things work. But eventually I'll put it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess... I want to ask you if there's, like, other things that feel important to talk about or that are on your mind. Mm. Mm. I think I would talk a little bit more about my childhood and, like... How, like of the trans narrative of being like you tried on your if you didn't try on your mom's dresses you're not actually trans and like how I used to feel so like ashamed that I didn't do that that I would just that I didn't even want to think about any part of my childhood I think now that I'm like a little more like it's okay if you didn't do that you're still trans like I think I've been thinking a lot about just like what it's like to be 
what it was like for me to be a little boy and how little boys are treated. Um, and I think a lot of, I think it's like depressing and dark the way a lot of children are treated, no matter what gender identity they have or are assigned. Um, but my boyhood was so confusing and like <coughs> parts of it were really beautiful and I loved being a boy and parts of it were just like so um I think like 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 having a lack of embodiment and not having any way to know that's what that feeling is because of because little kids aren't asked to talk about their bodies or their feelings I think that's like damaging for a lot of young people um I think seeing Seeing trans children makes me so happy because I'm like, in some way, somehow, that young person, like, what even was conscious of what their body feels like, or what their, like, a gen, like, what even, where is gender in your body? I don't know. I guess it's a combination of your mind and your body. Um, but I was just not even aware that that was a thing that you could even think about. It's it's hard to talk about, I think, mm. but mm. I'm interested in it. And I want to, like, I think a lot of my memories are just gone from that period, but I want to try to excavate more. And do you feel like the separation of, like, childhood to some sense of becoming is through language or through like some sort of visual understanding or what differentiates like not knowing from knowing that's a good question the the day I came out to myself I got really high um I got really high on ketamine and acid and I was really high just alone and I remember just like like feeling my body in a way that I I had never felt it before and it like where it wasn't being policed by my mind anymore and maybe there's something about, like, me going to, like, fancy education my whole life where it's, like, all everything's getting directed towards my mind. They're, like, read this, read that. And it's, like, so disembodied that I needed some kind of, like, other substance to, like, bring me back into, like, the house that I live in, which is my body. Um, and I think if I have any regrets about my life, it's like just not doing that earlier. I don't know if like, I think that's why so many p 
part of why so many trans people like do a lot of drugs is to recover that kind of sense um but yeah I think going to college and being like studying comparative literature had to like that definitely brought me way out of my like no amount of reading Judith Butler like helped me at all the only things that would help me were memoirs written by trans the only books that would help me would be a memoir a very simple memoir by a trans woman like I don't I think it's a little bit yucky that young people have to read those books or something Mm. yeah and when you spoke of the book before that helped Mm -hmm. call out like a different sense of understanding Mm -hmm. like can you remember some of the things that you were reading or felt when you read that book Yeah, I think it dispelled some of this, like, really basic narrative that when you're trans, you always, a trans woman, you always feel like a girl, and you cry every day because you're not a woman, and you wear your mom's dresses, and you put on makeup, and then mom walks in, and you were wearing her makeup, ah, and then everyone realizes it, and then you get recloseted, and then blah, blah, blah. So I think just hearing about like that that's not how it has to be was like just hearing details of people's lives being trans women being like like the Juliet Jacques book her memoir where she's like yeah like I loved soccer and I just played soccer every day and then I was transitioned and then I was on the girls soccer team and it was weird but fun and I think I was like oh like no one had ever said that I had never even explored my shit enough to know that liking sports was an okay thing for for like a woman to do or like a trans woman to do mm. <laughs> is there, sorry is there anything else I think there's something weird about having growing up in a family like the one I grew up in that's really like has really specific politics and is really politicized and like like my mom was a radical feminist and like we had like three copies of our bodies ourselves and like all these you know it's just like and then being like and I'm trans and that feels like the most trans trender thing to do like I'm like that makes me be like oh like this is this would be the natural thing for somebody who had parents like that to just realize that gender 
that most people probably aren't cis and that gender is really expansive and it's cool to try out different genders and that like you are like you determine what happens to your body and you should explore and so I think and my parents were like definitely like not chill about me coming out And it's been really hard in certain ways, but also it's been, like, fine. And, like, I still talk to them, and, like, I love them. Um, So... What does it make you feel to, like, talk about being some sort of natural evolution of the home in which you grew up? Like, is, is there, like, shame or, like... Or, like, what, yeah, what what does that make you feel? Yeah, I think I have some shame about it. Mm. I think I feel like when I see friends who didn't come from that or who have just, like, really, like, been in really unfamiliar situations their whole lives, like, I just have a lot of respect for that and... I I can't imagine what that would be like. And it makes me, it sometimes it makes me feel like my life isn't real because I've never pushed back against anything. Mm-hmm. But it's this is also very like self-critical line of thinking and probably not that helpful. Um because, like, when you say something intense about, like, being in a Walmart in Florida and, like, yeah. probably would be killed, like, there is, like, tons of vulnerability in the ways in which you are visibly, yeah, alternatively not part of the, the whatever mainstream paradigm yeah. of, like, what people should be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting kind of, like, oscillation between, like, while well, I just, like, fell in line with, like, how I was, like, born into this, like, radical politic, like, highly kind of like aware family and then like the actuality of what it means to live in a world that isn't you know that isn't yeah yeah and also like that when I came out to my mom she cried and says that she didn't think I'm actually trans I'm like but you guys made it so that it was okay for me to do this and still be loved by you and that felt so like, whatever, kind of, like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree thing, like, I think that was, like, somehow destabilizing for me to have, to come out and then be, like, it just be actually really weird to be in my family now. What do you think they were scared of? I wonder if they felt, like, guilt that they had given me access to communities and reading material that, like, expedited my, like, gender exploration. I think my mom felt like she had been a bad mother, having not seen it. She kind of said that to me. She was like, well, I didn't notice anything. And I was like, you did great. It's a fine. 
And I think that part of that's, like, about, like, the narrative of, like, transness being a disease or, like, a bad thing to happen to someone rather than, like, beautiful that you get to live your life in many different genders. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, um, yeah, do you feel like because of the reaction you still ha- you are tethered to, like, yeah, this feeling of it being a disease, as you call it, or being shameful or hidden, or I, I guess I'm what I'm thinking about is, like, what also makes you feel like it's this beautiful other act of exploration and, like, self-fulfillment and, like, yeah, and what that looks like, like, what tethers you to the other pole. Mm, that's really interesting. I don't know. It's, like, kind of, like, elusive feelings. It's not words. It's not through words. It's through feelings in my body that make me know that how magical it is, I think, to have my body change, like literally change, to feel those changes. Um, It's like, um, it's really empowering. It's really, really empowering to be like, this thing isn't working. I'm going to just change it. But the thing is like, the thing that I want to change is like the crust and like the skeleton of like my entire reality. So it's kind of like building a new house while you're still in the house or something without having to take the house down or something. It's like, it just feels weird. It feels like, it feels like magic. It really does. That's really gorgeous. I feel like we should leave it there unless there's another thing. I mean, there's many, many, many multiple things, but um, I think for this time period, it was really beautiful and thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to explore stuff and share it. Of course.